Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. But before we get started, can you tell us your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Sure. My name is Katie Carney. Um, I'm located in Oak Lawn, Illinois. It's a southwest suburb right near Chicago. And the name of my practice is Katie Carney Speech Therapy. Oh, I love it. So Katie, tell me about your background before you started to pursue private practice. Where, where were you kind of just out of grad school and in your CF and maybe thereafter? So when I graduated, my first job was in a pediatric clinic, um, an outpatient clinic, um, like a freestanding clinic. And so I did that for a while and I really enjoyed working with the kids, you know, was a more one-on-one -on -one setting. Usually the parents were present for the se um, sessions. So I really enjoyed that. Um, and that's also where I got certified with the state's early intervention program. Nice. Um, and due to some management issues, issues with they were cutting our documentation time, the pay wasn't great. I decided to kind of move on from there. I didn't really know where to go, so I decided to try a SNF just to see if I liked that setting. Um, so I went to the SNFs, and um, I loved it. At first, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, I felt like I was learning a lot. I was doing a lot of dysphagia, which I really enjoyed. Um, and then the whole rug levels started um, and productivity issues. Um, but I know that. When, when I was in the SNF, I, that broke my heart. I hated it so uh -huh. much. I know. It was horrible. Um, but right around that time, they had asked me to be the assistant manager um, at the SNF. So I took that position on. So I was assistant manager and a speech therapist. And what was nice was that I did not have the productivity requirements because they knew I was doing paperwork, like uh, scheduling meetings with the doctors and stuff. So I kind of, it was like a loophole for me. I didn't have to have productivity requirements. So I kind of floated along on that for a while. And then they wanted me to be a full-time manager. And I said, no, I didn't want to deal with the stress. So then I had to go back to being a speech therapist full-time. And I couldn't deal with the productivity requirements. It was 92%. And it just, I got burned out really fast. Um, that's, that's hard to manage. Yes. So, yeah, I, I get you. I was yeah. there too. 
Mm-hmm. And during that whole time, I was doing early intervention on the side. I was working about 32 hours in the SNF and then seeing uh, like two or three kids every day after work. So I always was doing the EI still. Nice. Okay, cool. And then with, so what at the time were you the most interested in from a treatment point of view, right? Because you were kind of doing both, you know, both ends of the age spectrum. Mm -hmm. So what was your favorite clinical population to work with? I really enjoyed doing adults, but I think that um, my passion was more of the kids. Um, I liked having a balance of doing the pediatrics and adults, but I felt like more of my heart was kind of more into doing the pediatrics. Um, So that's kind of why I always stuck with the EI. Um, That's awesome. Cool. Okay. So you, you had your, the, the EI, then you had the sniff, then you had both. And then at what point did you start thinking, maybe I should try a private practice? But it kind of was always in the back of my mind. I was trying to remember when I first started thinking about it, but um, probably like five years ago, I had got your first book that you had written. I bought it. And it was, so it was kind of always in the back of my mind. Like I just always felt the settings I was in, I wasn't truly happy in the settings with all the you know management issues and pressure to do things a certain way. So it was always in the back of my mind. I just didn't really know when I would ever make that leap. Um, and so then I was working in the SNF and they had asked me to go back to being the full-time speech therapist and I was pregnant at that time. So I stuck it out until I had my daughter. And then, um, when I was on maternity leave, I decided not to go back. And that was then kind of, so I was doing, I decided just to do early intervention after my maternity leave. So I worked three days a week, just doing early intervention. And I had two private clients that I had had on before. Um, but due to within Illinois, the, they don't pay for early intervention. We're always having issues with funding and budget. So we just do not get paid on time with EI. And it's mm. so you're always like months behind. So me and my husband kind of got to a point where it was like, I needed to have some kind of cash flow coming in. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what kind of pushed me towards really thinking about private practice then. Oh, that's fantastic. Great. So, so that makes sense. So you try to go back with, with EI and private, and then you, you had a couple and then mm-hmm. you, then you had your, your little girl, congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, so then you've, I assume started trying to ramp up your private practice since then. Yeah. So then, so I was kind of like at a turning point at that point. It was like, what do I do now? Do I look, go look for another job or do I really try to do this private practice thing? Um, and I was just online one day kind of fiddling around and, um, I think it was on Facebook and I saw a quote that said, um, everything you ever wanted is on the other side of fear. And it just really kind of jumped out at me. Like the only reason why I wasn't doing private practice is just because I was afraid. Um, So that kind of really, I feel like motivated me. And I just decided that I was going to take this leap of faith and just do it and see what happens. Um, So then at that point is when I got my LLC done. I got a website. um, And then I started marketing just, um, I marketed like just in Facebook groups, like the moms of Facebook groups. And then like on my own private Facebook page. And that's how I kind of started getting clients that way. That's fantastic. I want to back up just a second. I mm-hmm. love that quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I love that quote. I love that it resonates with you. That has certainly mm-hmm. one of, one of my favorite quotes that's kind of in line with that mm-hmm. is um, leap and the net will appear. Yes. That's another good one. So that those are, are two that are kind of in line with each other. You know, people tell me um, all the time, about different fears related to going into private practice. Mm-hmm. What would you say were your biggest fears? 
I think my biggest fears were just that I maybe didn't have the knowledge or the experience um, to have my own practice. I guess I thought everyone who has their own practice is, you know, an expert, which I mean, in some areas I am, I guess I just felt like insecure within myself for, I don't really know what reason, because I do have the experience and the knowledge, but I just felt insecure about that. And I think I also, there's like a hard, it's like, feels like it's hard to take someone's cash. Whereas if you're working for someone else, you won't see the money being transferred, but when someone's actually handing you money and you have to try to fix their kid every week, it gets a little bit intimidating as well. Um, so I think just those were kind of the intimidation factors that I had. I did have a, you know, I was slightly worried about like, what if it doesn't work out and I don't get kids? But I think the good thing about our field is that if I, this doesn't work out, I can get a job somewhere. I mean, it may not be my dream job, but I could get a job somewhere. So I think that helps too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you, I mean, you could get, you know, even per diem, right? Exactly. Right. So yeah, it's, it's pretty rare that someone would, would start a private practice and um, then have to, you know, just, you know, people worry about failure. People mm -hmm. tell me all the time, well, I'm worried about failure. Mm -hmm. failure I always probe people to say well what do you mean by that because mm -hmm. that means different things to different people um but it, a lot of people worry especially in the beginning am I going to have enough clients and yeah. the truth is is that yeah I mean you have to work to get the clients like you mm -hmm. it's not private practice isn't a um if you build it they will come kind mm -hmm. of scenario for most people you you do have to put some effort into it Yes. Um, and hopefully if you put, you know, put some effort into it, yeah, it builds and it can, for some mm -hmm. people build slowly, some people builds fast. Mm -hmm. Um, but you can always go back to having another job on the side of private practice. If yeah. that's something mm -hmm. that you need, you know, for, you know, cash flow for your family. Yes. So, yeah. okay. So, so what happened next? Um, so yeah, so I started kind of marketing within like the Facebook, well, I just kind of posted in the moms of Facebook groups in my area. Um, I posted on my own Facebook page and I did get a few calls, um, from people that way. I also, um, I was, I, the few clients that I had that I was seeing privately, I, when I would fax over to the doctor, like a script or, or a request for a script or like the evaluation to be signed, I would just send like a one cheat page. Um, just with my information that looking saying what I was treating and that I was open I had openings for clients so I got a few clients that way um, so I feel like slowly they started coming in um, and I still do have my early intervention caseload so I'd say I'm probably at about half and half right now right I say I work about three days a week I have about 20 kids I see right now and so I'd say it's about half and half I have half early intervention half private practice oh that's fantastic and mm -hmm. so, it, so what is your plan for the next six to 12 months? So what I really would like to do is, so right now I'm driving to clients' homes and I don't mind that, but some of, I'm kind of taking kids wherever right now because I'm just trying to build up a caseload. Yeah. So I am driving farther than I want to be driving. Um, ideally, I'd like to only have like 10 to 15 minutes in between kids, but right now some of my kids are 20 to 30 minutes. So I think I would like to be able to kind of get more clients, market more clients in my area. Um, I also, my like passion is, uh, is pediatrics, but I also really am passionate about oral motor therapy, feeding therapy, um, and articulation disorders related to oral motor deficits. Mm -hmm. So I want to start marketing myself better to get more of those clients. I have gotten a few of them just by luck. They just have called me not knowing that I did that and um, I was able to pick them up, but I want to be able to market and get some more kids who, um, are, are my ideal clients that I really want to treat. Um, 
And I, you know, I, I don't, I don't have a brick and mortar right now and I don't know if I will, but I have thought like maybe it would be nice if to have like an office space, even just like one day a week. So kids that are a little bit farther out, if they want to come to me, that's an option too. Cause I have had a few families call me saying that they would drive to me, but I don't have anywhere for them to come. Mm -hmm. So possibly getting an office space, maybe one day a week or something like that. And then still driving around the other two days a week. Yeah, that's a great option too, because if it's only one day, you know, you, you just have to see what you can afford, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you um, are, are in this phase where you can't afford a lot yet, or like in terms of space, or you mm -hmm. can't, um, you know, do multiple dates, whatever, if you can even get, you know, a small space one time a week in someone else's clinic, yeah. it's like, you mm -hmm. know, a not, not a competitor or there are plenty of people who who are able to rent spaces in kind of what are seemingly weird locations, like um, churches hmm. or even dentist's office. Oh, really? Might be interesting for some of your oral motor mm -hmm. or tick kinds of stuff. Yeah. So you you kind of never know where some of these um, opportunities are going to come from, whether they're in terms of referrals mm -hmm. or in terms of space or whatever. So it's really important if you want to become the go-to person in your area for this niche, mm -hmm. the main thing to focus on is, well, who else knows the people in my area who have these problems? Yeah. Right? So mm -hmm. and then creating a list of who those people are and then moving backwards that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and that's where, I think that's where I'm stuck at. I haven't really marketed to like pediatricians or mm -hmm. I also think, um, yeah, like pediatricians' offices, probably even dentists would be as good too, because some kids I know that come in with like dental issues, it's related to oral motor issues. Um, and even like, I've even, I do have experience with infants. I've even thought like um, breastfeeding support groups to kind of market there for people who are having trouble with, you know, their infants with feeding. Yeah. So um, that's kind of my next step is kind of marketing in those areas. That's great. And feeding especially is something that is, you know, the demand for feeding therapy is on the rise. Mm -hmm. um, certainly. The other thing to think about with um, oral tick and oral motor are also just networking with other SLPs in your area mm -hmm. who don't particularly like or feel yeah. comfortable doing that work. Mm -hmm. That's a good idea too. Yeah. Right. So that's another mm -hmm. thing to consider. Um, especially, you know, I don't know if you have, you know, advanced uh, training in any of the, you know, programs or whatnot, but once you, you get certified in some of these additional mm -hmm. um, certification programs, then too, then you can actually get listed on their websites. Yeah. This is certainly not something you have to do, but a lot mm -hmm. of people will say, okay, well, let me get certified in this so that when, when it's in demand, and if a doctor says, oh, you know, little Johnny should really, you know, see, you know, someone who does X, Mm -hmm. and they're also listed on their website and that also really helps with search engine optimization so yeah that's a good idea too yeah i am on one site but my goal is to kind of keep working and taking more courses to get on more sites like that nice great okay cool so what kind of other um either suggestions or lessons can you share with our audience um so i think i feel like for me when i when i'm now that I'm more into this private practice and I'm trying to market myself more, I think one of the biggest things that's been a benefit for me is just taking more canoeing education courses. I know initially, you know, it, some of them are very expensive and I, it's kind of a shock value factor when you look at some of the courses, but I think the more, when I've taken courses, I, you know, and then when someone calls and says that their kid has this issue, 
you know, I'm able to address the issue and they're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that speech therapists can do this. Or you looked at it a totally different way. So I feel like um, I'm able to get more kids, you know, by having more advanced knowledge in these areas. So I really feel like um, taking as many courses as you can in the specialty area um, definitely helps with getting clients. Um, I kind of feel like, you know, it's, it's investing in myself. And even though it's money going towards continuing education, I also kind of think of it as money going towards marketing too, because I can market myself better when I have more of these courses under my belt. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so I think that definitely has been helpful. Um, plus there are tax write-offs. So I try to remember that too when I'm paying for these courses. Um, another thing that um, I think... Um, or another idea or another place where I actually have gotten clients from that I forgot to mention before is um, the speech buddies website have you heard of that one mm -hmm. yeah so I use it actually I've gotten like a, a decent amount of clients from that one which is surprising because I kind of it's a free site I just did it just kind of randomly and I've gotten a few clients from there yeah um, they, they have pretty good search engine those yeah. ones have pretty good SEO so whether mm -hmm. you are certified in whatever they teach or, or not Mm -hmm. NASLP, I'm pretty sure, can get listed on their website. Yeah. And and that's a really great tool because people do search either on their site or their SEO is so good mm -hmm. that people could be searching for, you know, anybody's town and people can pop up on there. The thing that's important about sites that are directories like that is if you list your website also on their site, not just your regular contact information like your mm -hmm. phone number or your email address, but your website that's called a backlink oh, okay and what you the one of the ways to get more seo is to have more backlinks mm -hmm. on different sites linking back haha, okay. to your site so those directories serve multiple purposes in addition to making it um easier to find you and also when someone types in your name and they're like, oh my goodness, this woman's listed on all of these websites. She must be fabulous. <laughs> but it also helps boost uh, your primary website up in the ranks because then Google says, it's like a popularity contest, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, these people are talking about her and these people are talking about her. I better bring her website up to the top of the Google rankings. Hmm. So that's a little... That's know, a good idea. Info on how SEO works. I don't think I have my website listed on them, so I should do that. That's a good idea. Nice. Um, and I am also on the ASHA private practice. I just recently got a phone call from someone that got my name off there too. Nice. They have a listing on there. Yes, and that's free. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're both free. Nice. Um, yeah, I think another thing that I would just kind of say is too is. Um, I'm more of like a shy person. I'm like more on the quiet side, but I feel like even if you are a shy person, you could do this. Like, you know, I never in a million years, but I think that I could own a practice and do all this. But I mean, I feel like I'm surprising myself by what I can do. Um, and I think one thing that has helped me is I kind of just keep trying to push myself outside of my comfort zone. And I think that that gives me more confidence and I'm kind of growing and as a person and as like a private practice owner, um, like even doing this podcast, um, yeah, I would never normally do this, but um, I kind of was like, when I saw your link to asking about if people would be interviewed, I was like, all right, I'm just going to do it. I got to keep kind of pushing myself a little bit more outside of my comfort zone in order to kind of grow and feel more comfortable marketing myself and, um, you know, to get more clients and stuff. I love that because you're right. That's the only way you're going to grow is to push yourself, mm -hmm. right? And that goes right along with that quote that inspired you from the very beginning about you know success and everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of fear. 
Yeah, exactly. So I think that that, sir, I think that, you know, you serve as a wonderful inspiration, Katie, to people who are, who are shy or who are fearful mm-hmm. just to go for it, right? If you have this dream yeah, yeah. and you, mm-hmm. you're stuck at a sniff with rug levels that you hate yeah. or whatever, or a school that has mm-hmm. um, crazy, you know, caseloads or whatever the, the thing is, if you have this goal and even if you're a little nervous, you can do it. And you can do it in a way that works for you and works for your family. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's what's so nice about private practice too, is that, you know, I have a baby now, I'm sure we'll have more kids down the line. And it's so nice that I could be flexible. Um, I was, so I work three days a week, but I was seeing kids on Saturday for a little while. I just thought it would be good. My husband's home. He could watch my daughter, but I realized that I just didn't like it and it really wasn't working out with my schedule. So um, I transferred everyone back over to during the week and it was fine. And now I don't have to work weekends anymore. So it's like so nice that you have that flexibility that you can choose when you want to work, what works for your family. And I really, really love that. Well, I really, really love that you had this dream, you went for it, you pushed yourself in the beginning and you are continuing to push yourself. And you're also a member of the Private Practice Solution, which I'm really excited to have you in there. Mm -hmm. And hopefully some of the content um, that we are uh, providing will help you keep pushing through to the next level so that you can just, you know, get those referrals that you want from, you know, these new referral sources mm-hmm. and have, you know, the private practice that you want. Um, again, whatever that looks like for you and for your family. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I'm very excited about what the future holds. So. Well, I am too. Well, please, you know, we'll, we'll certainly be in touch through that. Um, but thank you for doing this interview. Thank you for, for pushing through any anxiety about doing the interview. Also. <laughs> Um, and for sharing all of these wonderful tidbits of information with our audience. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Of course. All right. Have a great night, Katie. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Now that you've listened to the podcast, I hope that you're all fired up to help more people while making more money. If you need help starting or growing your private practice, I can help. I have created tons of high quality resources for beginning through established private practitioners alike to help you save time, money, and confusion. Just visit www.privatepracticeinfo.com and get instant access to everything from startup guides to marketing plans to ongoing support and mentorship and more. Listen, private practice can be complicated but it doesn't have to be. My job is to simplify the process for you so that you can do what you do best, help people. But first, you have to help yourself. Just go to www.privatepracticeinfo.com and get the resources you need to succeed today. While this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.